0: We don't want to learn to come to church. We want to learn to be the church.
1: We hope as a result of the time we spend together that you would connect a little bit more with God, with each other, and with your purpose. This is the Community Church Podcast.
0: Hello, welcome back to the Community Church Podcast. I'm Jim Miscavich here with Dennis Hartzell and Chris Graham. And we are going to finish Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read 11 through 22. And again, the purpose of these podcasts is just to give you some uh, knowledge that we have gained through reading this and hopefully some application and maybe some clarification. Um, But it's also so that every week here, for at least a little while, um, you can read the scripture yourself, figure out, hey, what what does God teach? What is the big idea um, in this passage? What can I learn about God, and how can I apply it this week? So we'd love for you to read this passage, maybe read it a couple times um, during the week, and then you can listen to the podcast, and then you can send us emails how we're you know how we're right or how we're wrong, or questions that you may have. So. Uh, getting back to Ephesians two eleven through twenty two, uh, the the previous section was how God raised us up from the dead and became alive, and then the second chapter, at least the big idea for me, it has to do with peace. Christ brings peace with God. The word peace is used at least four times. The, the phrase uh, the, the phrases that were used were we were once separated, alienated and strangers, but through Christ we are brought near and that Christ brings peace with God uh, Dennis what what was your big idea in this uh, chapter?
2: Um, I, I've always liked the word I've been intrigued by the word reconcile uh, as it's found in verse 16 he says and that he might reconcile, them both to God in one body and I know next week we're gonna cover chapter 3 a little more about uh, the mystery but uh, the idea that uh, that the word reconcile I've always been taught has to do with the idea of change and especially a change of relationship something has changed if it's been reconciled and of course God doesn't change so uh, God reconciled us it tells us in other scriptures which means he changed us to be acceptable to God, in other words, He made it possible for us to have a relationship with God by reconciling us or changing us. And He goes on to explain here: we were changed by, like you said, Jim, the blood of Christ uh, changed everything. Uh, because of the blood of Christ, we now can have a relationship with God, or we are reconciled.
1: Yeah, I think when I was looking through it, too, I had the same kind of idea. I mean, it's hard to miss that big idea in this passage. Um, I wrote down it's really about the union of the Jews and Gentiles through salvation to God. Um, I heard an illustration about it this week, and it was interesting. It was during World War II. Uh, there was uh, some farm territory that was under a heavy fire as the Germans were on one side and the Americans were on another. And the German family that lived in that area, well, they were actually trying to escape and get to a- another house just down the road. And uh, they, they took off running, and their three-year-old daughter got so discombobulated and thrown off from all the chaos that was taking place around her that she ends up running out into the middle of the field that the uh the germans and the americans were shooting across and all the troops saw her out there and there was actually a ceasefire everyone stopped shooting until she was safely back with her parents and so to me that's a great image of what christ has done obviously it's lasted a little bit longer than, than that moment in time did for that little one but uh, we've had a ceasefire now he's provided that reconciliation for both parties to, uh, to come before him
0: when I when I hear the word reconcile I, I think about my relationship with uh, my kids I don't know why that came uh, to me but it's uh, of course my kids are the ones that do the wrong thing and, and I never do anything wrong with the reconciliation. Of course that's not true but that's the picture I get is they do something wrong they I, I punish them and they they're sent to their room or they have to go do some task or just you know take a time out or something and then the reconciliation is where we come together where both of our hearts uh, are open I share hey this is how you hurt me they acknowledge what they did and then afterwards uh, of the, the the punishment and the the uh, talking, saying that they're wrong and that they're going to change the, the joy of the reconciliation. So when I hear reconciliation, I, I, I picture uh, two people, for me, my uh, myself and my children, coming back together and restoring something that was lost. The question after uh, this is, uh, what did I learn about God? Um, I put that I can see that Christ seeks unity first with God. It's not that, hey, you get saved or before you get saved, that you need to do this good, that the goal of Christ first is that we need to have that right relationship with him. It's that the the whole, you know, st- Eleven verses are about peace, that God that Christ wants us to have peace with God before we do anything before we have you know the right relationships that chapter four is going to talk about that the thing you have to have first is this peace with God, and that Christ seeks unity first. Is there something uh, about God that popped out to you, Dennis?
2: Well, it just kind of uh, in today's news, of course, we talk a lot about uh, the immigration uh, issues, mm-hmm. and uh, it just reminded me, looking at the words in verse 12 through 16, just things that pop out, were, uh, that before we came to Christ, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers from the covenants of promise. We were without hope, uh, without God in the world. Uh, then later on, he talks about uh, being foreigners, uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting that I never viewed myself as being—I'll uh, say—an uh, immigrant or uh, homeless. Actually, is another w- way we could look at—we were homeless. We had no country to belong to. We weren't part of the family of God. We weren't part of the household of God. We weren't part of the body of Christ. We were aliens from God. And then, uh, like uh, Chris referred to, uh, b- uh, because of the uh, coming together of the Gentile uh, people and the Jewish people, uh, we were both made one in Christ, and now we're all part of the household of God.
0: Um, my deep theological question uh, stems from verse 15, and I, I will say this, I don't believe, is the big idea. The big idea, as we've all said, has the idea of, of peace and not being aliens. Uh, we are now uh, united uh, with Christ and with God. But verse 15 has the phrase, abolishing the law of, of commandments that Christ abolished the law of commandments. So, so I'm thinking, abolish the law. That sounds doing away with. So, my question <laughs> to you guys is: Are all the Old Testament commandments done away with?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a deep theological question, like you said. Um, I think probably here he's refer- It seems to me he's referring more to. How we uh, how we become accepted in Christ? Uh, It's not through the law. Uh, It's a little uh, interesting on two fronts. Uh, The book we just reviewed last week, Irresistible, uh, Andy Stanley seems to uh, unhitch, if you will, using somebody else's term, uh, the Old Testament from the New Testament. But as we understand how the Old Testament, uh, even in the Old Testament, you were saved by faith in Jehovah. Uh, But so nobody really has a right to say that we weren't uh, that the law saved you But a lot of times we project that on it that the law saved us saved a person in the Old Testament And now here we're seeing that uh, he's making it very clear that uh, The law and whatever how you looked at it was is today even no means does it save you?
1: one uh, commentary I've read said that Christ abolished Old Testament uh, ceremonial laws feasts sacrifices which uniquely separated Jews from the Gentiles, but God's moral law, maybe what was summarized like through the big um, through the Ten Commandments. I want to say Big Ten. See my nonsense words. <laughs> sorry,
0: uh, but through
1: the Ten Commandments uh, was written on the hearts of all men, so it was not abolished, but subsumed in the new covenant um, because it reflects His own holy nature.
0: So again, more of a rabbit trail. Sorry, uh, but there are some people that uh, definitely uh, want to hear about this. I will. Uh, I'll go against the commentary about the difference between moral law and ceremonial law, uh, because the Jews didn't. The Jews had the laws equal. That the one line in Leviticus is, you know, we kind of look as a cleanliness law, and the next one is a ritual, and then the next one has to do with what you do when you go into the tabernacle, and the next one is, you know, uh, treat your neighbor correctly. So they're all interlinked. So. Uh, we can discuss probably for hours about it. But I'll give my two cents uh, about what abolishing the Law of Commandments is. I will say that anything that was before the Law of Moses was always true, uh, like the Ten Commandments, uh, killing someone was always wrong. Uh, the Ten Commandments did not start that. Um, but anything that was new with the we'll call it the Mosaic Law, that that's done away with, all of them, ceremonial or whatever they were. I just throw everything out because christ has abolished those um that does not mean you're allowed to kill someone uh you're not allowed uh to have another god before uh jehovah but um that any of those mosaic laws are done away with that all of them are done i'm not going to clarify uh them or not Um, feel free to send an email or come and talk with me afterwards i'm sure we can go more Away with that. But I do believe, as Chris was saying, that uh, this abolishing the law of commandments was the idea of the Jews and the Gentiles coming now under one uh, banner, if you will, of grace, as we're going to see in chapter three, Um, especially in the the city of Ephesus, where there's a massive Jewish and a massive Gentile population. Paul's pointing to them to the fact that Christ is trying to get us one under God. So the application of this idea that Christ brings peace. Um, For me, it is that uh, God is not judging me. And then I I was thinking peace. I'm thinking peace with different countries. What if one country is at peace with another country? Um, That means that countries talk. They're freely talking with one another. So for me, I have peace with God through Christ. So probably one thing I should do is talk with him. So a very basic thing for me is, well, how can I talk with God more? How can I understand this peace? So I just wrote down the first five minutes of my day, I need to talk with my uh, person I'm at peace with. So for me is to talk to God the first five minutes of every day. I have peace with God. I should use that peace to talk with him as other countries who talk to their allies do.
2: Oh, good. Hey, uh, this is really a stretch of the application, <laughs> but it's a thought that came to my mind as I read it in verse 13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been, and here's a thought, brought near by the blood of Christ. And and by no means I want to diminish the power and the purpose of the blood of Christ. But when I saw uh, that we've been brought near, it reminded me of the people in my life. It reminded me to think of those who helped me come near to Christ. I think of a mister Spangler who was probably in his eighties who took me to church with my two brothers when my parents weren't taking us to church when I was probably six, seven years old. I remind me of a older uh, uh deacon in the church who asked me every week, Dennis, what did the Lord do for you this week after I got saved? And it caused me to think more about what Christ had done for me that week. And so I had to, I wanted to come up with an answer for him every week. So it just reminded me to be so thankful for those who gave me the gospel, those who encouraged me to go to church, those who encouraged me in my walk with the Lord. And, and I just want to say, throw it out there again. I know we, we would love to talk to you If you uh, do not have that relationship with Christ, uh, with God, you do not understand some of the things we're talking about here, but even when we say we are brought near by the blood of Christ and during this Easter season, what what does that mean? We'd love to talk to you and share with you how you too can uh, know Christ and become part of the household of God.
1: I think um, part of that also goes with my application is the emphasis that... um, That Paul made here regarding peace, and it was a message of peace to the Jews. It was the same message of peace to the Gentiles, and how many times in in church, um, uh, or with other Christians in general, there's a lack of peace. Uh, There's turmoil or drama or whatever, and how much are we as shepherds of the flock doing to uh, promote that peace aspect? Because I know a lot of unsafe people lack that peace um i know there's christians who struggle with it as well and so i think that's another thing too dennis if people have a question about that or if they'd like to discover more about god's peace and uh, what that looks like make sure you contact the church at uh, info at edwardsburg.church and we'll be happy to to reach out and contact you and have some of those kind of conversations
0: cool well, thanks for joining us. Um, next time, we're going to do the first half of Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. And again, feel free to contact us with uh, positive words or questions about um, something you un- didn't understand or something you want us to discuss later. In that email address is info at church. Put in question for the podcast.
2: Hey everyone, today I am reviewing a book that is written for Christians and non-Christians alike who want to become better leaders. Uh, The book is by John Maxwell and is entitled, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. Uh, John Maxwell is known by many to be the guru of leadership and has written over 18 books on the subject. Uh, John was a pastor for many years and grew a successful church out in the California area. Uh, He left the pastoral ministry, though, to build into the lives of Christian leaders and leaders of all Uh, kinds of organizations. Uh, His leadership training is used in almost every country of the world. Uh, John maintains that asking the right questions has improved his leadership skills, and he believes it can improve yours and my uh, leadership skills also. The book is divided into two parts. The first called, quote, questions I ask myself, unquote, and the second part is called questions that leaders ask me. He covers many leadership topics such as, how do I get started in leadership? How do I recognize a leader in the making? How do I motivate those following me? And how do I mentor other leaders? And many other such questions. Uh, Many leaders are out of touch uh, with those they lead. And John shows how he uses questions to help him understand his team better so he can be a more effective leader. Uh, Even the why question, uh, which he talks about quite a bit, uh, helps leaders get a more accurate view of where the team is, and helps the team to feel like they have been listened to. Uh, Such topics as leadership transition, how to lead from the second chair, and how to deal with non-performers are all covered in a very practical way in this book. Uh, The book has 320 pages. I found every page educational, uh, but for some the book may seem a little longer than necessary. Uh, the second part of the book consists of John answering 70 questions that he invited leaders from around the world to ask him regarding leadership. This book uh, would be helpful for leaders of any organization, including church or business leaders, as well as leaders of nonprofits. The three chapters that I found most interesting personally are What Must I Do to Lead Myself Effectively? How Do I Resolve Conflict in My Organization? And What Do You Think? I give the book a 5 out of 5 for convincing me of the effectiveness a leader can have just by asking good questions. Again, that's Good Leaders Ask Great Questions by John Maxwell. And it's been fun reviewing this with you. And again this week, I'll challenge you to listen for the trumpet. Thanks for listening. (music)